Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? I almost said hi, John. That would have been weird. That would have been weird. Hi, John. Mm-hmm. I remember once early when we were doing these shows together, like yeah. we've been doing it 12 years. One time I was kind of, um, we, we were getting at each other a little bit about something on the air, and I called you John, and you're like, I don't know, Dave. Dave. <laughs> David. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. uh-oh. Yeah. We're having a thing. We're having a snit right mm-hmm. now. We're in a little bit of a rough patch, but now I, don't, I haven't called you John in years, so All I don't right. know what made me think about that. Uh, Most people don't. Uh, no? No, no. Wolfley does. And you call him? Him Ron. Sometimes I call him Ron. He calls you Johnny. He calls you, call you David Ron. Charles. Yes, he calls you. Okay, I don't really know why. Ron, uh, are you going to play your thing here? Because you know it's. it's oh, I said what are, I had one of those songs in my head. Don't play. Yeah, I had one of those songs in my head coming in. I don't, and I, and then you were like, "Who sings that song?" I'm like, "I think it was. I think it began with an S. I think it began with an S." You're like, I totally remember the video. I remember the video very and well. And it was a song that I just haven't heard in a long time. But I don't know why it was in my head today. I've been singing it all day, and now but it's just like song, total this, stuck in there. This song was in my head. <laughs> I typed it in out there. Now I'm in here, and oh. I forgot the title of the song. Oh, it's um, you forgot the title of the song. All right, forget it. It's a group called Saga on the Loose. It's called Saga. Tonight we're on loose. Tonight we're on loose by Saga. Turn me loose by Lover Boy. It's on. I don't the know loose why that song is in my head. I don't know if I heard it or something. I was just like listening to the. I, that, and I was just like singing the song, like who sings and that? And I go, you know, tonight we're on the loose. Like, and he came in, and I'm like, I think what is he singing that song? Begins for? with an S. I just can't remember the name of the group. I don't know why I was singing the song. You remember the video? Yeah, I remember the video so very that well. Was just, yeah, it that, was a very mid '80s kind of classic. We'll, yeah, you know what? We'll play it for you later as a rejoin, just to yeah, keep job, everybody Mitch. on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Mitch is fine. Mitch actually gave us the day off yesterday by filling in for us. So thank uh, you, Mitch. Thank you for working on President's Day, so we didn't have to. Played at the end of the segment. Let's right. weigh in with our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. You're the Arizona Cardinals. You got yourself an offensive coordinator. You got yourself a defensive coordinator. Eagles linebackers coach Nick Rallis has been hired as the Cardinals DC. More on him in a moment. The Arizona Cardinals made it official over the weekend. Drew Petzing is the new offensive coordinator, and apparently. He's bringing a quarterback's coach with him. Josina Anderson is reporting that the diversity coaching fellow, Israel Wolfork, has been informed he can join the Cardinals staff and he is expected to be named the Cardinals quarterback's coach. All right, uh, this Petsy is the name is we knew in. all along. We kind of knew this name. We knew Drew was going to be the guy. I think we all expected it. They had to go through the process, interview a couple of other people. That's not the biggest news. I mean, I mean, that's big news. They've got their offensive and defensive coordinators, but the interesting thing now to me is the main task, unlock Kyler, right? That's the main task, unlock Kyler Murray. Part of the process in unlocking Kyler Murray, we got a little hint of that by Gannon, 
little more under center. Yeah. They're going to play Kyler Murray under center. Fascinated by this because he doesn't play under center like ever. Like it's like like very very rarely from high school to college to the pros has he been a guy that's taken a ball under center. I think it's about two percent of the time in the NFL. It's very very low. It is okay. Since you asked, according to NFL research, last year over the last three seasons, pardon me, Kyler Murray was in the shotgun ninety two percent of the time and three percent of the time he was under center is the lowest of any NFL quarterback. Okay, three percent. No quarterback, two point nine to be exact. No quarterback was in shotgun more than Kyler Murray in two thousand twenty two. Here's the quote: Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Cardinals, did an interview with Peter King over the weekend in his uh, Football Morning in America column, and most it was partly about what happened in the Super Bowl. But then he asked him a couple questions about the Cardinals' job. Gannon quotes. Uh, this guy does things that it completely handcuffs you how you play defense at times. I think we can take him to another level and unleash his full skill set. We're not going to put him in gun all the time. I'll tell you that. Then, obviously, we're going to do what's comfortable with him. The way to take pressure off the quarterback and the O-line is to put him under center at times. That's the missing yeah. piece I thought they had with Kyler. They were in shotgun all the time. When you're in shotgun all the time, you don't make the defense defend certain plates. Yeah, we'll have two significant offenses with his skill set. So there'll be two offenses. One where he will be under center and the other which will be in the gun. So they'll run that more so they can do a little play action, make the defense guess a little bit. Now, Kyler may not be comfortable with it, but you've got a lot of time now to start working on it. you got a lot of time to start getting Kyler ready for it, getting prepared for it. He's done it a few times. It's not like it's foreign, but man, it's amazing how little he was under center. It's something that all of the shows on this stations have talked about. Maybe they should put Kyler under Center. Cliff didn't do it. I mean, he's very reluctant to do it. Very rarely. You said only 3% of the time. 3%. Every 100 plays that they ran, only 3% of the time, only 3 out of every 100 times was he under center. But we talked about it. Like, maybe you've got to have him under center. Because the offense was just stagnant. It wasn't going anywhere. It was very predictable. Cliff's offense was predictable. You weren't making the defense really guess. Well, now you line up Kyler under center. Now, granted, I mean, that step drop step back is going to have to be a little bit longer than the average quarterback because he's smaller and he doesn't have the same stride. So it may not be one, two, three, get rid of the ball. It might be like one, two, three, four, five, and get rid of the ball. He may have to create some time and space and separation to get rid of the football because he's small and he's not probably he's not going to take the snap and then throw it right away over the defensive lineman. But just by doing it, it allows you to do some stuff. It allowed jet sweeps and play action passes and things that we didn't see a whole lot of. They could do a lot more. Yeah, the, the, the play action passes in particular, that seems to me to be the evolution, right? That seemed to be the... Uh, a part of this offense that was missing quite a bit, or at least wasn't able to do it as effectively, because Cliff was very stubborn about it, to be honest with you. And you see, that's what I already like about this. That's what I already like about Jonathan Gannon. Changes. Yeah. Adapting, evolving, doing something different. Let's change it up. Hey, just because Kyler profiles as a guy who's going to benefit from being in the shotgun, let's not just do it in the shotgun. Let's come up with other things. Let's keep the defense guessing. Let's add some variety to this, because without that variety, it's so much easier to predict what's coming and what you're going to see. And I thought Cliff was one of my number one complaints about him. He just never really evolved or adapted or tried something different or mixed it up a little bit. So I'm already happy with this idea of trying him under center. Now, uh, what I'll be, you mentioned it and what I'll be curious to see, not that this should be a deal killer in any way. How does Kyler respond to that? You know, how does Kyler respond to something different, something new? I hope well. 
I hope he responds with open arms and an open mind and team first. Yeah, that's what they need to do. To clear get eyes, full heart, can't lose, all that stuff, right? I, I mean, just just open your eyes and open your mind to it and see what happens. Well, you have to be willing. You have I to hope. be willing. I hope if you're Kyla Murray. Look, I mean, they, you know, their job is they're going to protect you. They're going to put you in position. Their job is to get the more out of you. To get there's a big investment in Kyler Murray. They want him to have success. They, 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 he's got to understand they're doing this to try to make him more successful. I expect that he's going to be open for open to it and whatever he could do to get his game to another level. I mean, he knows that there's another level for him to go to, and this may unleash that. You mentioned unlocking Kyler Murray. Unlocking Kyler Murray. Cannon quote: If Kyler Murray isn't here, I don't take this job. Close quote. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. You know, they same article, by the way, it said a lot of good things about about Kyler. He said a lot of good things about him. Really wants to work with him. But I am, you know, I, I am looking at that. You know, uh, Pedzing's main task, a sort of story, unlock Kyler Murray. All right. Now, I hope you do it. Let's yeah. unlock him. Let's get more out of Kyler Murray than what Cliff was able to now, get out of Now, a couple of, of the things to consider, too, with Petzing coming in here. For a while, he was a tight ends coach as well with the Cleveland Browns. Now, it might be on a smaller scale, but that could be potentially good news for Trey McBride I and his so. development for the Cardinals, yeah, potentially. I, I think so. I mean, a couple of years as a, as a tight ends coach. I mean, you know, here's a guy who was in Philly. Philly had a good, uh, well, well, Philly had a good tight end. So Gannon knows um, the importance of having a, a tight end. You've got McBride, and everybody thought he was going to be on that level of the next great tight ends. And, you know, he kind of played okay, but nothing special with McBride last year. But there's some games at the end of the season. Second half of the season, he came on. Came on a little bit more. um, You know, had... Seven catches for 78 yards and a touchdown against Atlanta on January 1st. So that was good to see. So overall, though, 29 catches, 265 yards and a touchdown. They're going to expect a lot more out of him. Well, and you think about the state of the offense, too, by the end of the season. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins was basically a healthy scratch for the last two or three weeks. Everybody was was hardly anybody was playing. The quarterback situation was a mess. Now, one thing to consider with Petsing, too, and this is something that's going to just bear keeping an eye on. If he comes in here and does a bang-up job with Kyler, if he comes in here and it works really well, be prepared to say goodbye to Drew Petzing in a year or two. Okay. Now that that you know those okay. fall under the category of John Gambadoro. Hey, I hope somebody comes in and coaches ASU great and somebody hires him, makes you great kind of thing. It's kind of that sort of champagne problem. Like, hey, if, if the, the, the the good news is you found someone to fix Kyler, the bad news is that somebody hired him to be the head he coach. He does such a good job fixing Kyler that everybody's going to want him to come fix their quarterback. And that's and I, mm. that's going to be that's, that's his the downfall, right? I mean, yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. When you hire a defensive-minded head coach, you kind of go into that lane of we could lose our offensive coordinator, and you have to be prepared Look for that. Look at how many coordinators change every year. Look, Sirianni just lost two of his coordinators, right? He's got to start over. Offense and defense. The guy's only been there for a couple of years and he's already lost two of his coordinators. So I guess that would be the good. It is. It's good news, bad news. But I'll take the, you know, uh, uh, the bad news is I'd rather I'd rather lose him. And he got something out of Kyle Murray. The the key is really developing the people that are under him. Yes. The key is to to replace Petsing when Petsing leaves. If it comes to that. Right. 
That and is, apparently he may want to bring some of his the coaches he knows well, into and, the Cardinals fold. And apparently it's already started with this Isaiah Woolfork um, as a guy who came with him, is going to come with him from the, the Browns now and is expected to be the, the Cardinals quarterback's coach. Presumably he's next in line if something like that were to Again, I know we're, prepare. we're looking two years down the road, but you have to be thinking about that if you're Gannon, right? You have yes. to have your backup plan yes. in case your OC leaves. Just announced Guns N' Roses heading to Chase Field October 11th. Guns N' Roses? Guns N' Roses. Absolutely. Take me down to Paradise City with grass is green and the girls are pretty. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair now by texting ROSES to 620-620. That's ROSES to 620-620. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses fans. Quote, it's on me to come in and not bleep up what they've done. Close quote. The newest Phoenix Sun talking shop about his new team next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We'll say this about KD next week. Hell yeah. Or is it Friday? Hell yeah. Yeah. I'll take, he'll be on the loose. I'll take obscure 80s songs for 500. How good was this song? Hey, it was... Was it oh, good this was good. Or was just kids. No, this was good. <laughs> I don't know. Mitch, you're a band member. Come on. I know, but I'm squirming back here. I'm so cringy right now. <laughs> it's. I mean, I. I'd call him a one-hit wonder, but I don't even think this is that big of a hit. Really? I don't think. All right, so. crank it up right here, Mitch. That was in my head as I was driving in today, and I have no idea why. Songfacts.com. This was the biggest hit for Saga, a Canadian band that incorporated incorporated elements of progressive rock into their pop sound. Yeah. Um, That's good stuff right there. It was was in heavy rotation in the early days of MTV. That's the only reason why I know it. You remember it from MTV? Oh, hell yeah, of course. I mean, I'm I'm a kid in the early 80s, and we got got the the on-TV cable package at MTV, (laughs) and that was my introduction to half of the music. From that whole decade, I think, was because of MTV. So it has nothing to do with anything other than it is a nice transition because, yeah, on Friday. Now, we don't know for sure, but we think on Friday, Kevin Durant is going to be on the loose for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, If not Friday against Oklahoma City, then perhaps Sunday against Milwaukee. And uh, both of those games are nationally televised. Friday's on ESPN. Sunday's on ABC. Uh, And we'll see if Giannis plays in Sunday. He's got that wrist injury now. Um, But a little more detail about Kevin. Kevin Durant coming to the Suns, and it comes from his exclusive interview with his own media company called Boardroom Media, and he gave some quotes there where he kind of fleshed things out a little more than he did in that press conference that he had last week at Footprint Center, and the one that stood out the most was... Um, his acknowledgement that James Jones and Monty Williams have already built Phoenix into a contender and elite basketball program. His only job is to fit in. Quote, it's on me to come in and not bleep up what they've done, basically. Uh, I think stamina is what separates the great teams, but it comes down to all of us staying on the same page on both ends of the floor and then having that stamina, wanting to be efficient every possession until let's, July. Let's talk about that. I, I, I don't know if he's correct. 
Say the first part again about not bleeping. It's on me to come in and not bleep, not bleep up what they've done. Up what they've done. What have they done? What have they done? They made it to the made it to the NBA Finals one year, lost, blew a two nothing lead, um, got got knocked out by the Dallas Mavericks in a huge upset last year, lost Game Six and in Game Seven at home. Yeah, what have they done? Because I, I don't think he's being brought here not to mess it up. I think he's being brought here to take this team over the oh, top. And no, I think we all agree. There's no question. And and some of what he's saying obviously is humility, and and whether that's real humility or fake humility, it's kind of up to you to decide. If you're a Suns fan, whether you think he's being you know real. Humble humble or kind of fake humble. Um, I, I think the thing he doesn't want to mess up, and, and I would, I'm saying this, and understand I'm in full agreement with you, okay? But I think that if you go back to the start of the 2020-2021 season, if you include the postseason, there's only one other team in basketball that's won more basketball games than the Suns, regular season and playoffs. That includes last year's disaster against Dallas. They've won a lot of basketball games. They've they've stumbled upon a formula in which they have a lot of success. Now, I would agree with you. It's not the ultimate success. It's not the end of the road success. We all are yearning for something like that. But they have done some really, really good things here the last couple of years. They just haven't been able to seal the deal and finish it up. I, I don't think there's anybody right now, as much as it sucks to lose two really good players that were part of your rotation and Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson give up all the draft picks. I think we all understood. There's no hindsight here. We're not going to look back and be like, ah, you know, they shouldn't. Have, they're in. They're all in to win a championship right now. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I don't think it's fair to come back and say, look, would I have done the trade? I told you. I probably wouldn't have done the trade. I liked Window 2 a lot. And I didn't want to mess up with Window 2. But I understand what why they did it and, and, and all the reasoning that goes behind it. Kevin Durant's Got to kind of bring that championship to Phoenix to justify why the Phoenix Suns gave up two great players and all of their draft picks to the to the Brooklyn Nets without without discussion. Absolutely, no, no. Yeah. I mean, no question about like, it. So what he has to do is like in the end, this is either going to work or it's not going to work. It's either going to it's either going to pass or fail. Pass is winning a champion. Nothing less than winning a championship. Hey, we made it to the NBA Finals again. Ability to compete, and this is. Sorry, random button. Random button. You know, that's not good enough. Like that's not been there, done that. That doesn't. Oh, hey, we got to the NBA Finals. We lost to Boston in seven. Games. Does doesn't matter. You know, that's a fail. It doesn't. It, no matter how close, unless they win it, it's a fail. The money they're spending, the draft picks they gave up, the players they gave up. There's only one possible outcome to make this successful. I don't care how many jerseys you sell or tickets you sell. Or get, the only success is winning it all. Yeah, but I I do okay. Whether it's real humility or. Fail, humility. I, I, because the uh, the alternative he could have said is, it's on me to come in and do what they couldn't do. Because that's the truth, right? I mean, if we're just getting down to the, the brass tacks here, what is the actual truth of Kevin Durant? It's what you said. It's not on you to come in here and not screw this up. It's on you to come in here and finish. It's it's on you to come in here and, and take this thing all the way, which they haven't been able to do without you. But if he says that, you know, that has kind of that hint of ego, super ego, super arrogance, which he's allowed to have. He's Kevin Durant. But I appreciate him wanting to be a little more humble than that. Yeah. It might be fake. It might not be real, but you can see him trying to throw respect some what they've done. Respect for Monty, Book, Chris, and James, and, and everything yeah. that's happened here before him. He's being respectful of that. Yeah. I can appreciate that. I don't believe him. You know, I don't, and I don't believe he actually believes that. I think he knows what he's here for, and what he's here for is not to not yeah. bleep it up, but it's to take it the next level. Let, no. Let's talk about the other angle yeah, here because I love this one. Sure.
The part, the part where the he part. talked about having, he's always played with scoring point guards. This is going to be kind of new for him. After spending the vast majority of his career with guys like Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, and Kyrie Irving, a true pass-first maestro like Chris Paul is going to take some adjusting. Here's the quote. I think CP is looking to get the assist more than he's looking to get the bucket. When he has to score, he will, but he's trying to look for other guys first instead of shooting. I'm looking forward to seeing how that works. I'm used to scoring point guards, and I don't know how to play off of them. Russell and I Westbrook, know how to play off them. Steph Curry, yep. Kyrie Irving, he's so, always played with scoring point guards. I have to take some time to adapt to that, but I was, I'm looking forward I, to it. I enjoyed that part of it. You're right. You're right. You've always played you know, I mean, him and Russell Westbrook, you got to remember, him and Russell Westbrook took the Oklahoma City Thunder to the NBA Finals. The NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. Where they lost to Miami with LeBron, I believe. I believe you're correct. Yeah, Miami and LeBron. Yes. And and they were young. Like, that was a younger team. And they got there. I mean, those two guys were pretty dynamic. I, be, I believe Oklahoma City won the first game because I remember being like, oh, my God. Like, they, like LeBron's going to lose, but then they won, like, the four in a row. But I believe Oklahoma City won the first game of that and then lost the rest. Good memory. That sounds about right. I think that's what it was. I'd have to look it up. But you had Russ. You had Steph. You had Kyrie. Like he's always really played with that guy that wants to score too, and now you're not. So what does that mean for him then? More ball handling, more, more. Uh, I mean, he's he's more just straight shooting and less creating. I mean, how does he how does he adapt to I having? And we'll see. I, I mean, I'm sure that it's. You know, the, the, there is another scorer that is ball dominant, and that's Devin Booker. So he almost he almost may look at Book as a kind of like a staff for a Kyrie because Book's going to have the ball a lot. You, Book can create his own shot yeah. from anywhere on the field, on the floor. So it's not like you don't have somebody there that that's, is a ball you know dominant what? guard. That's true. That's a good point. You might you might be trading out those point guards for Chris. You still have Book out there. Who's a ball-dominant guard? Book is basically going to play the Steph Curry role. And he's basically going to play the Kyrie Irving role. And he's basically, maybe not as much, but he's going to play to a certain extent the Russell Westbrook role as well because he will have the ball in his hands. I don't think it'll be as big of an adjustment. I think it'll be a big adjustment for Chris. Chris is, you watch, the number of shots he takes per game I mean, I, I don't know what he's averaging now. I would guess 12 to 13 shots per game. That in playoffs are going to be less? I, I wouldn't be surprised. But you're also going to have less of a rotation, too. Because you're going to be, you know. True. You have less of a rotation. You ask your starters to play more minutes in the playoffs. Except Chris. Maybe Chris doesn't have to play more minutes. And maybe he doesn't. And, and he certainly might not have to take as many shots. We've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now like you would for any of your favorite podcasts on the iPhone or the Android. You won't miss any of our shows. The Burns and Gambo Show is brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Spring training is almost here. And for the Diamondbacks, there's just as much preparation needed off the field as on the field. That's coming up next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we got Eric here with us. He's got our Twitter Poll question of the day. Eric, hope you had a good weekend. Thanks for uh, coming up with the poll. What do we got for us today? Yeah, well, the Cardinals have been stealing coaches from the Eagles, so the poll question now focuses on a player. We're putting a current free agent from the Cardinals up against an Eagles free agent. Who would you rather have Arizona sign at cornerback for this upcoming season? You got Byron Murphy Jr. or James Bradbury? Intriguing. James Bradbury. 
Why? Oh, okay. James Bradbury. Um... Why? <laughs> I, I, I'm daunted. Follow up. I'm total. I'm total disagreement. I would go Byron Murphy. Why? Corners, great corners. Be, by the way, Bradbury's going to be thirty when the season starts. Thirty. Byron Murphy's twenty-five years old. Corners by 31, 32, man, it goes downhill. And Fair. I don't think that I don't think the Cardinals are going to win this year. So I don't think they're one cornerback away from winning. That's a good way of looking at it. And so if you it. sign okay. a guy that's 30 and you're saying by the time we're good, you're going to be 32, 33. I mean, I, as much as I loved Revis Island, once he hit 32, a lot of those corners when they hit 32, they slow down. I, I, I guess for me to answer why would be one the games that he missed last year, but more than that, even when he didn't miss games, I, I always felt like Byron was good. I just don't know if he's ever going to be great in this league. He's good. He's good. I just, I, and not that James Bradbury is, but James Bradbury had a really good season for the Eagles. And I, I don't know if Byron Murphy has ever had as good a season for the Cardinals as Bradbury had for the Eagles. So, and the injuries are definitely a concern. The injuries are a concern. Well. Gamba makes a good argument. And Buddy Ryan brought over a lot of those Eagles guys that they didn't do crap when they were here. <laughs> well, I, I mean, they went but, out and like all those Eagles from Buddy Ryan's team, and they came here for a paycheck. That was a long time ago. That was a long time yeah. ago. Uh, what's the audience say on this? Audience one? is heavily in favor of Byron Murphy Jr. Seventy-eight point one percent going with Murph. Only twenty-one point nine percent going with Bradbury. I like that question. That's a good. It's one. a good question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page at Burns and Gambo. One word on social media is where you can find it. Um, a a thank you to our colleagues over on the Bickley and Murata Show. Newsmakers Week is this week, and the reason. I I'm saying thank you is they've got all these great guests, all these great interviews, and we get to kind of just pick and choose like the best stuff and talk about it a little bit. Today, Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, was a guest on Newsmakers Week of Bickley and Murata. And of course, the future of Chase Field was a big question mark. Do you stay and renovate? Do you look for a new stadium? The lease is up in 2027. Staying and renovating could cost you $500 million. Building a new stadium could cost you twice that. Here's what Derek Hall said today. It's a tough situation, and, and there's a lot of moving parts. I think all things equal, you know, being downtown makes makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. We love being downtown with the Suns. We love the fact that uh, there's so much activity now, um, you know, downtown, that many people are moving down there, that we have, uh, you know, of course, residential. We have apartments. There's excitement downtown. But uh, I think if you if you had your choice, you, of course you would love a new ballpark, right? But where does that happen? Where, who's the right partner for that to happen in Maricopa County? I was shocked to read that story and realize that they have the fourth oldest ballpark in the National League. Honestly, that sounds about right. The fourth me. oldest ballpark in the National when, League. When you spend like 30 mm. seconds thinking about it, you go, you know what? That feels right, Te- actually. You know, technology is cha- changes so fast now. We're in this era where technology is always changing. So a ballpark that was built in the 90s, you could upgrade here and there, but it's not going to have the amenities and the luxuries that the current ballparks that are built, built in the last five to six to seven years have. Yeah. And so you're always trying to keep up with the Joneses. You always want to create more revenue streams. Ken Kendrick said, if we make more revenue, I'll put it right back into the team. I mean, whatever we make, I'll put back into the team. There are definitely things that they need to like. They can't open and close the roof anymore with fans in the built fans in there. 
So like you can't you can't go to the game and then watch the roof open and close because they won't do that because of the cords, the cables, the cables. So now it's like it's got to be open before people get there and closed after people leave. So there are definitely some security issues. I mean, I think about that. We can't open the roof when people are in here. Why? It's dangerous. Well, that sucks. Yeah, okay, that, that sucks. That, that, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's I don't need the, a roof falling on me. That's one of the real great you know gimmicks of the, not gimmicks, but that's one of the features of the stadium, right? You're in there and they still playing the same music that they've been playing for. 25 years when they open it, which still kind of gives you the goosebumps and everything. Yeah, they, they, I mean, there's obviously, if you look around, it is in desperate need of a footprint center like renovation, right? Think about mm-hmm. what the Suns, how they changed that building and how different now Can't it looks. I believe how, how beautiful it is. Yeah. They have to do the same thing to Chase Field, and that is not going to be cheap. Now, more from Derek Hall today. The current stadium, if they stay, yeah, they can fix some of it, but not all of it. I this. don't think you're ever going to get away from that cavernous feel you know right. it's, it's never going to feel as intimate as you want it to but i think we can bring it up to up to speed up to code when it comes to premium locations we just don't have them right we don't have the clubs that newer ballparks have we don't have those four tops or or the you know the the private feeling sections in the seats we can we can create all of that we can redo the concourses we can we can bring that stadium to a modern feel um if if we're indeed going to stay there and make it look more modern make it look more new but as far as making it feel a little closer you know, to one another and smaller and that huge upper level. I'm not sure we're ever going to be really, ever really uh, able to address that, but I think fans are okay. They, they've got great memories there. They love it. And we hear that from fans too. I hope it works out. I hope you can stay at Chase because my family has grown up there. I, I'm proud of that. I would be, and listen, take the money part out of it, okay? I don't know who's paying for this stuff. I'd be in favor of a new ballpark. So would I. They, at the last minute, I remember talking to Jerry Colangelo about this many, many, many years ago. It was supposed to be a 41,000 seat stadium. It was supposed to be like 41,000 or just under that. At the last minute, Jerry okayed like an extra seven or 8,000 seats. It's too big. It's way too big. It's just, I I would prefer a 38,000 seat ballpark, take out 10,000 seats, build a new ballpark, make it state of the art, and then you don't have to worry for another 25 years. You know, you don't, you know, you don't have to worry for 20, but yeah, every 25 years, you either got to do a major renovation or a new ballpark. That's just, that's the life we live in today. Derek Hall did tell AZ Central that he would like closure on this issue this summer in terms of exploring other possibilities in Maricopa County. Now, there is another issue facing the organization. Oh, this is a big and one. And it's actually facing about half the organizations in Major League Baseball. This is not good. Bally Sports, which televises Diamondback games and lots of baseball games around the country as part of regional sports networks, they might go bankrupt. They missed a $140 million payment, and bankruptcy is expected. Um, he was asked about that today during Newsmakers Week. They will definitely be able to watch it. You know, the beauty <laughs> uh, was the commissioner coming out about a week ago from his press conference here, media conference here mm-hmm. in Arizona, and he said these games will be televised. If, if uh, Diamond goes away, and hopefully they don't, Valley Sports hopefully is still up and running, um, and people are used to seeing us on Valley. If not, baseball has said they would come in for those 14 teams, or 18 if you even look at others that are in a similar position. They would produce the games and make sure they're on. My guess is, from what I heard, it would be on MLB Network. So people will still have a chance to watch these games, and of course, you can always listen to our flagship right here. Yeah. 
Listen to the flagship. The, Listen on the radio. The plug, Derek. Thank you. Diamond Sports, they operate 19 regional sport networks. So they televise about a third of all the MLB, NBA, and NHL games. They could not make the $140 million interest payment. Uh, it's, it's got $9 billion of debt. That said, It's setting the stage for bankruptcy filing. And so now all these teams, the company owes about $2, million in, $2 billion in rights fees this year. And, and they've been, it's been a disaster. Ever since they signed it, it's been a disaster of a deal for them. Ever since they signed the deal, they've just been bleeding money, bleeding. And now it came to a boiling point. They don't have the money. <laughs> they can't make these pay. The problem is, 10 years ago, 100 million households in the United States subscribed to a cable or satellite television package. Mm-hmm. Okay, that number is way down. Only around 70 million U.S. households now pay for some form of television. Um, so from 100 million to 70 million, you've lost 30 million households that have decided, you know, not to not to have cable and have those outlets. So they're they're So that's 30 percent less audience. It, yeah. That's less charging for advertising because you don't hit as many people. And so they're losing money. Cord cutters. Right. It's been an issue now for several years. Look, on a personal level. We have you and I both have friends and colleagues over at Bally Sports. I, I I hope nothing but the best for all of them. I real I don't want them to go anywhere. They I do an really, amazing really job. They do an amazing I mean, Todd Walsh job. And Jody Jackson, all the great people at Bally's. I mean, all of them. They all do a wonderful Love the job, bro- and their broadcasts are fantastic. I, like the- I I hope nothing happens. I really do. I hope nothing happens. But there's got to be some contingency plan, and it sounds like there is in case something does happen to be able to watch these games. It's just it's going to be look, and it's not just the Diamondbacks. So this is about a third of baseball that's going to have to deal with this. So they would put the games on the MLB network that's is what they're saying? what Derek Hall said he's heard, yeah, is they put them on the MLB network. And I would imagine you'd have like blackout zones. You'd have to determine what region you're in and what games you uh, get and things like that. I yeah, know there was, a, there was a story that basically said the Diamondbacks are going to, they're probably going to end up losing TV revenue in this deal. Oh, I'm sure they are. So they're probably going to lose sure. a, a, you know, a decent amount of money in this because this deal, because they're part of this deal. His first career shutout was a historic one. Coyotes gold center Connor Ingram joins us to talk about it only on Arizona Sports next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. The point streak got extended over the weekend to nine games by the Coyotes with their win over the Blue Jackets. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, a guy who has been in the middle of a lot of that because his numbers have just been extraordinary the last couple of weeks or so, the last month really or so. Joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, Connor Ingram from the Coyotes here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Connor, welcome to the show. I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Thank you for coming on, man. How you doing today? Pretty good. How are you guys? Good. Uh, it was a side note, a footnote. You go back to October 10th, you know, last year, and it was announced by Bill Armstrong that the Coyotes had claimed you off of waivers from the Nashville Predators. You're 25 years old. You had a 1-2-0 record with Nashville. We didn't think a whole lot about it. And then that game last week, 47 saves. You set the NHL record for saves by a rookie in their first career shutout. Take me back to getting claimed by the Coyotes in your thoughts at the time? Yeah, it was, it was an exciting day. Um, Nashville decided to go another way, and you know that's part of hockey and part of sports. And I was just excited to, to have an opportunity to play somewhere. So it was uh, it was really exciting for for me and my family to to have a shot and to come up to the desert. 
for you kind of negotiating the first several months of the season? I mean, it, it's kind of been in every other game. I mean, not exactly, but something like that has been the pattern. Does that make it tough for you to get into kind of a rhythm and a routine? Because it has been you and Veg kind of trading spots off for the, the most of the season, really, for the most part. How tough has that been to adapt to? Yeah, it's different. I mean, um, I played six years in the minors, and in the minors, the whole mindset is just play as much as you can. So, to, to give yourself a shot to move up, so to to move up and then go back to play and once uh, once a week or once every two weeks, it's it's a change. But uh, that's how anybody gets into the league. You know, you that's the role you start in. So, you had to learn, you had to figure it out, and uh, I think uh, Schwabi did a good job of of keeping on top of it and just kind of making that mindset where you got to go in every day and and. If you got ten days between starts, you know practices are your games. So to to have that focus and just make sure for whenever you did get the call that you were ready to go. So it's it's different, but uh, it was a learning curve, and that's where everybody starts. Everybody goes through it, and that's uh, it's just part of the job. Yeah, Nat Nashville's like a, a goalie pipeline. They produce so many good. Was it just a numbers crunch thing when they told you, "Hey, we're going to put you on waivers"? Was it just just no opportunity to play because of all the quality goalies they had in the system? Um, I think. Well, they they decided to sign a, a guy through free agency this year, and and just said that uh, it wasn't going to work there. I mean, uh, I have nothing bad to say about that organization. You know, they gave me a chance to play in my my first couple of NHL games. I got to play in the playoffs last year, and it's just part of the job that sometimes you go a different direction. I think they wanted somebody with with more experience in case anything happened to UC, and to have a guy that had played a substantial amount of games and I never did. So, you know, it was just part of the job. It's it's part of what comes with the territory and I think that's why I was so excited to to come to Arizona was I was I was going to get a chance, and, you know, that's all you can really ask for. Connor Ingram, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show, 47 save shutout against Tampa Bay on Wednesday. Are you, Would you consider yourself to be a big analytics guy in today's NHL, Connor, or you just go out there and do the results and see what happens? No, I definitely not an analytics guy. Uh, <laughs> the reason I ask is because we had your general manager on our show last week, and he mentioned that according to analytics, that was the best performance by a goalie in the last seven years. Have you had you heard that one about your Tampa Bay performance? No, no, I, I didn't hear that. That's a that's a numbers game that I stay out of for sure. <laughs> not your jam. No, no, I'm not smart enough to know what's going on. Yeah, most hockey players aren't, right? With the amount of hits that you guys take. <laughs> Come on, that's not I nice. was just about a puck, you know, getting crashed up against the boards. I'm just teasing. Let, let's talk about just your career. I mean, AHL with Milwaukee, Chicago, Syracuse. You played over in Europe. This journey to get to the to the NHL, from the Bombers to the Blazers to the Crunch to the Thunder and the Bears and the Admirals. And it, it's it's been a long journey. You're only 20, 25 years old. Old, but this has been a 10-year journey for you yeah no, it, it hasn't been easy that's for sure i mean i always i always say you gotta touch all three leagues to truly appreciate the top uh it's uh it's been it's been wild but i mean for goalies it's it's common for us to to see time in the east coast league and have extended careers in the ahl and things like that it, it takes us a little bit longer to develop and then um, obviously with COVID, I, I spent half a year in Sweden just because there was no hockey here. And then Milwaukee didn't want to play or took the year off because because uh, of COVID not having fans, we, we shared with Chicago. So there were some stops in there that, I mean, if you if you take out the pandemic, I don't think I would have made. But, uh, I mean, there's there's lessons learned everywhere along the way. 
What's the when you look at the trade deadline coming up? I mean, now with two goalies that are capable of being number one. I mean, do you guys talk about that? I mean, with Vizmelker, I mean, I, you know, obviously Bills trying to acquire assets for the future. Do you guys talk about this trade deadline coming up? Is something that you guys worry about? No, it's. I mean, that's that's something that's out of our control. That's that's not our job to worry about or to think about. So it's uh, it's definitely not really talked about. Uh, I mean, we're human beings with families and things like that. So anytime you see a guy go or you see a guy come, there's a there's a lot more that goes into it than just uh, a transaction that you see on Twitter. So it's uh, it's a time for us. I mean, it comes and goes every year, but uh, you can't really pay much attention to it. Let's talk about Mullet Arena for you. This is this has been a nice little place to play for the Coyotes. They get a great small crowd, but a great crowd out there. They've had some success playing at the Mullet Arena. Give me your thoughts about playing NHL games there. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, you stuff. I don't. I don't know how much Mullet holds. Probably close to five thousand, but they're uh, they're allowed five thousand, and I think uh, I think that makes it exciting. You know, a, a ticket that's hard to find is always better than a ticket that's easy. So, I think people are excited when they get in and and get to see it, and it's a fun place to play. It's it's different from anything else you see in the NHL. So. It's uh, it's been fun. I enjoy it. It's a it's a loud and and raucous building. So it's been good to us. And uh, yeah, I don't. I, I got nothing bad to say about it. That's for sure. You guys have you guys have a better record than like six teams in the league. And which most people thought the Coyotes this year were going to really struggle. And you know, and 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 obviously you know build for the draft and try to get Bedard. But the players, you got nine point nine uh, nine point streak. You guys go out there and try to win all of these games obviously as a player you don't you don't think about the draft in the future you think about just trying to win hockey games right now yeah exactly um see the nhl i mean anybody can beat anybody on any night so to write anybody off whether it's the coyotes or any other team i think is uh is a long shot this is this is the nhl with the best players in the world so you're going to get good efforts every night and it can go any way any night so it's uh as players that's you're you're out there trying to win every night and that's all that we ever think about connor ingram we appreciate your time congratulations on this great stretch great these story. last three games it's been a lot of fun to watch we appreciate the time best of luck the rest of the season okay yeah, no problem. Thank you, guys. Yeah, Connor Ingram joining us here. They're in the middle of a four-game homestand right now. Next up for the Coyotes, they host Calgary on Wednesday, Nashville on Sunday, then the Blackhawks again coming up next Tuesday. So the Coyotes in the middle of a four-game homestand. Yeah, they got a break that better than like a, like a better record than five teams in the NHL. Yeah, it's, they're supposed to be tank for Bedard, and here they are. They just you know they're playing great hockey. They go out there to win every every single game. They're not thinking about draft picks. Yeah, this nine-game point nine-game point streak. Nine game point streak with that a little bit, no doubt. When we come back, he's the youngest defensive coordinator in NFL history. He has the opportunity to change the Cardinals' defense for the better. We'll talk about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show.